everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. My name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. And we are here to talk to you about all things MMA, UFC, Bellator, and World Series of Fighting. Once again, we do the show, for those of you who are checking us out for the first time, every Wednesday at this time on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, and 12 Pacific. So there's a lot to one mountain. Are there any ones we're forgetting? Yeah, uh, probably <laughs> Hawaiian time. Oh, ah, dang which it. is a good big demographic this weekend going into the Mex uh, Holloway right. fight. So we have a lot to discuss. It's been a crazy few weeks in the world of MMA. So there's no shortage of topics. Yeah, man. So we're just going to kind of run through all the news uh, going right now, and we're hoping that maybe we can get a guest later in the afternoon. But that's still up in the air. Um, for now, we're going to jump straight in. The big thing that happened over the weekend is the Alexer, Alexander Gustafson and uh, Glover Teixeira fight. Yeah. Uh, Gustafson won in convincing fashion. It perhaps cements his place as the next challenger behind Jimmy Manoa to the light heavyweight title. Maybe even leapfrogs him. Um, I've seen some discussion on that. What was your takeaway from the fight? Well, yeah, it was it was a very impressive fight from Gustafson. Um, you know, he went he went deep into the fight and he also fished it, finished it with. I don't know. I mean, one of the, one of the most ridiculously good uh, punch combinations that I can remember in MMA is just to, to actually do that uh, against a great fighter in real time and not in a video game uh, in an MMA fight is, is is pretty crazy. So yeah, I thought he looked great. You know, I thought Alexander Gustafsson looked great. I think at his best for the last four years, he's he's been about uh, as good as it gets. Right? You know, uh, I'm a guy that scored his his fight against john jones for him uh, i think he's at his best he's just phenomenal and you you know you you stop glover Teixeira, another former title challenger you, and do it in that fashion you can't be that uh, that far behind especially depending how if dc jones 2 happens again mike like depending how that shakes out if dc wins maybe that changes maybe they want to give him a different opponent than someone he's already fought he's already fought and beat much more convincingly than john jones than alexander gustafson and uh john jones that matchup is that rematch has been something that fans have been wanting for for years now so if john jones wins maybe gustafson can can leapfrog ahead as a guy that they can really sell as a real uh serious threat to john jones maybe more than jimmy manua who you know i've nothing against him and he's certainly earned his spot as well yeah it's uh it's definitely a good thing to have more contenders than you know what to do with yourself yeah, to yeah. do with um but <laughs> and that's happening in a lot of divisions the UFC does not seem to know what to do with the there just seems to be a, a log jam at the top of every division not necessarily yeah. in uh you know worthy contenders but just mm. getting fights booked in well that's true yeah and happening yeah you that's know a good point. this wing's <laughs> injured and the middleweight division's on hold and the people who are like holding up divisions are now themselves injured. Like GSP is injured as well. Like you know, it's it's, right. it's kind of crazy. Um, but anyways, it was an interesting fight. Afterwards, he proposed to his girlfriend, yeah. which was a, a nice moment uh, in the cage, um, and a big talking point from the weekend. So it's uh, it was good to see that. But moving forward from that fight, uh, George St. Pierre went on Ariel Hawani uh, MMA Hour and talked to Ariel Hawani about um, his comeback, and he said that mm-hmm. if he loses. He will retire after his next loss. There's been, I feel like, some mixed response mm. to this on Twitter. Some people think it's the right approach, and some people think, why are you coming back then? Where do you stand on it? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't want George St. Pierre to come back at all. 
because I think he had a very long career, and like any fighter, sustained a lot of damage throughout that career. And uh, he's he's shown some things that may that may be a little bit scary, like the fact that he's pretty convinced uh, that that he loses a sense of time, track of time, and then he's convinced that it's alien abduction. That stuff really, I'm not making a joke. That stuff worries me. Um, so I don't want him to come back. That said, if he's going to do it, I think it makes sense that he's thinking, I don't want to go in there and take too much more damage. I'm only going to do this if I can go in there and not get that badly hurt. So I actually think that's fine. Uh, I actually think that makes a lot of sense. A lo- like a lot of things with George St. Pierre, it's mostly that he'll, he's, he'll say, when he says something out loud or admits to it or talks about it, that, that maybe gets people you know kind of crazed. Because what he's actually thinking if he's thinking that, it makes a lot of sense. I don't, well, I don't, I don't think it means he's going to be less hungry or anything. He didn't say necessarily, and you talked at length about him um, and his health going forward, which I yeah. think should be sure. a concern, and more so with other people eh, like Roy Nelson. But mm-hmm. we'll get into that yeah. later. Yeah, sure. But uh, he said he wanted to do it to protect his legacy. Yeah, and that's a good point. I understand that, like a string of losses, you see what's going on with BJ Penn. Mm. You know, some people might perceive BJ Penn's legacy as being tarnished. Mm. Maybe newer people to the sport who aren't familiar with the old, the BJ Penn of old. Um, do you, so let's look at BJ Penn in that regard. Mm. Is is his legacy tarnished by his um, recent losses? I, I don't think so. And there's interesting on that the legacy tarnishing thing. There was an interesting choice of words with Joe Rogan spoke about Jose Aldo later uh, or earlier this week as well. I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's ever possible. So once you've accomplished something, you've accomplished it. You did something in a period of time in a moment in time against someone else at another moment in time. And if that thing is judged to be great by yourself or society, that's it. You can't ever be taken away. If you do something morally reprehensible outside of the sporting world, it doesn't change what you did in the sporting world. It you know, probably should change the way people think about you. If you stick around too long, as most athletes do in every sport, and I, I'd say certainly in, in, in fight sports, it doesn't change what they accomplished. I think it just it hurts their health. To me, it doesn't hurt their legacy. What they accomplished is what they accomplished. I don't need to hold on to some like romantic idea that they're infallible or invincible. Um, so no, I don't think it tarnishes what they already a- a- accomplished. Maybe a revelation that someone had loaded gloves for their whole career would tarnish yeah. their legacy, but things, you know, later losses don't, uh, don't take away from what someone did earlier in my view. So we're based in Chicago for those of you who don't know. And there's a big office debate always about Michael Jordan, LeBron James. We have uh, a guy in the office, Mark Carmen, who is a big, uh, Michael Jordan fan, yeah. and he seems to be alone. There's a lot of younger people who are on the LeBron James side of things. <laughs> but one of the uh, things I was thinking about in regards to this, I'll and, chime in in a moment. <laughs> yeah, and the comment to Joe Rogan that, or about Joe Rogan that we'll get into in a little bit. For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, uh, about legacy being tarnished, is that uh, every nobody talks about those wizard years mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. and a lot of people would think that that maybe could have tarnished his legacy when he's yeah. coming back and playing for the Wizards. He wasn't just a one franchise um, athlete anymore. Uh, you know, the different things. He wasn't him, the Michael Jordan that people mm-hmm. knew because mm-hmm. um, he was older and his game had to adapt. He couldn't out, like dunk like sure. people were familiar with. But uh, nobody looks at that in hindsight. And right. I think in the immediate, maybe, but like in years down the road, I don't think anybody will think about that at all. I think you're right. I mean, I, I think you're right on that point. Uh, um, if you look at the later years of anyone who was able to stick around for a long time, whether it's Babe Ruth or anyone, 
<laughs> they stick around for a very long time. Uh, their their results are not as good as they were earlier in their career, and it, it doesn't usually diminish, uh, like you said, in the long view, the way history looks back and, and what they did. And I think that's a more just uh, uh, viewing. I will interject myself briefly into that debate. Okay, we should it's we should talk about the we should talk about the wizard years in this sense. If you're uh, because uh, and they, the I welcome the brawl as well. It'll be fun. I, I love these arguments, even though I don't follow the NBA like I used to. Um, you know, before Jordan uh, hurt his knee uh, for the Wizards, I think he was he was putting up, and you guys can correct us if I'm wrong. Uh, he was putting up 25 points a game. Like this is years out of the league coming back. Uh, you know, approaching 40. He, he was he was excellent until his body started slowing him down, and he just couldn't you know do the things he used to do. Uh, so if we are gonna look at those years, I think we should look at like. Good Lord, he was still able to be very efficacious, at, you know, for a while until it just started getting banged up. And right. There's no fault of his. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I definitely – I don't know what the median age here is. It's interesting you're saying that, uh, that LeBron's getting most of those uh, those votes. I think in the end it's nothing more than, like, a fun mental exercise. You know, so as vociferously as I would and will argue for Michael Jordan, it's still just a it's – a, it's a mental exercise. I will say this, though. Michael Jordan is a much better and much more enthusiastic uh, defender. Uh, if we're t- looking at accomplishments, I mean, let's. I'll I'll be happy to give LeBron another ten years to see if he can get to to where Michael Jordan is, and to, uh, you know. But you know, if we're looking at scoring average as well, I just I just I just don't see it. Uh, LeBron's first championship, if we're if we're you know, looking at his impact on it, wasn't even in a real season. So not only does he have like th- what three more to go, he's he's really got like four more to go to even get in the conversation with Michael with Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson. So I I have I have no qualms about about agreeing with Carm on, on, on that one. Some Chicago boys <laughs> circling the wagons. I do want to remind everybody who's watching, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Extra Rounds Podcast. We do this every Wednesday. That you can ask a question in the comments. Uh, we're going to be having a primarily UFC discussion, so <laughs> feel free to chime in with your thoughts. Other than when I get pissed off about people harping on Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to chime in with questions. We'll discuss those on air, or if you have a thought about anything we're saying, feel free to give us your opinion. Um, right now we're talking about George St. Pierre's response or thoughts on coming back and him retiring if he gets uh, a loss or retiring when that first loss comes. Um, so to build off of that, Mike Pendleton, who's watching, he's a fan-sided MMA writer. He um, writes for Combat Press. He hosts the Chicagoland Sports uh, show in Chicago where he discusses MMA a lot. And he said, can I ask the question in reverse, which I think mm. is an interesting angle. Those who shock the world, does that define their legacy? For instance, Holly Holm and Matt Sarah. Yeah, no, those are um, th- th- very interesting question. What's up, Mike? Thanks for listening. Love, Mike. Love being on his show as well. It's a great show. Um, so as usual, I- I'll, I-, I have like a qualified answer as well. Um, but but I-, I don't have a problem with someone getting full credit for a- the biggest win of their career. Like they should. Like anyone who, even if it's a huge upset, Matt Sarah beating George St. Pierre to become welterweight champion of the world, that he he absolutely is welterweight champion of the world. Do will I make an argument that his body of work at welterweight is better than George St. Pierre's? No, I won't. Not but I but I will say every every competition is just a you know, pitting certain people at a certain moment in time. And we've all agreed, I usually until we get into arguments, we've all agreed to say who is best will be determined by what happens right here and right there. So I'll always give them that full credit. Um, but also, I would want to remind the qualified part is I want to remind fans to 
to to for themselves look at people's uh body of work uh, like these 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 people that were uh underdogs that that surprised and shocked the world at certain moments they didn't come off the couch. They're not like me going into the UFC and beating George St. Like Pierre. Rocky, who is, you know, working yeah, in a meat yeah, that's, thing, that's getting ex- a shot at the heavyweight championship of the world that's out exa- of nowhere. That's exactly right. That's a perfect analogy. And I love Rocky, but it's not Rocky, right? It's, it's, Matt Serra um, had beaten some of the best people for, uh, for a while, for years, at two different weight classes to even get the chance. Before he even got into MMA, he's one of the most prolific, accomplished, and most skilled uh, submission grapplers, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, American athletes in the world ever. So he was a pioneering, prodigious jiu-jitsu practitioner before he got into MMA, and then he jumped right into the big leagues and had a lot of success. So sure, I didn't pick him to beat George St. Pierre, uh, and sure, that was a huge upset. And uh, But yeah, it's not like he was just came off the bench. And but, Holly Holm but, was a, won, a world champion in boxing and a, and a title holder at, at kickboxing, so it's not like... And she's larger than Ronda. Like, it wasn't like that's the only thing she ever did in her life. But people want that, like, one singular thing that they can point to that can sum up a person or define a person. They sure do want that. That's not complex because all these people are complex people with complex careers, with ups and downs, and all sorts of victories and losses along the way. Uh, Not necessarily in the sport itself, but in, you know, life or whatever have you. Um, But, anyways. So, yeah, I think right now Holly Holmes' career is defined by that win, and Matt yeah. Sarah's career is defined by that upset. And but it's, it's their not biggest wins. Because it's their biggest yeah, wins, and that's, and that's okay. what people will stand sure. up. But that's there's more to them than that. Sure. But to somebody who, you know, people who are, you know, under 10 now who will be in their 20s 10 years from now, right? so when they're looking back, you know, as fans of the sports looking back, that's what they're going to stand out for yeah. and be remembered for. Joe Namath is remembered as the guy who um, – you know, led the Jets to the Super Bowl and guaranteed the win and delivered. Right. But, I mean, there was more to him than that. He yeah. had a career at Alabama and all this other stuff. So, yes, like to an extent, his career is defined, but um, fans shouldn't let that be the only yeah. definition. Yeah, and don't criticize them for it being the biggest moment And we're not in their saying career. you're criticizing No, not Mike, Mike but, you know, but many, many do. They're like, oh, it's just, you know, Holly Holm just has one, you know, big fight. Well, first of all, who outside of Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, and Demetrius Johnson have put together long streaks of title defenses? Title reigns are usually short in MMA. That's just the way it is. So, it, you know, her her winning the title is a separate thing from her defending. And I'm okay with you saying, hey, Demetrius Johnson is a more accomplished champion than Holly Holm or Matt Sarah. That's all right. But I don't like to – I wouldn't, like, say, oh, just dismiss them. Like, oh, she got lucky. She definitely didn't get lucky against Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was a champion in the world, and Holly Holm would beat her 200 times out of 100 times they fought. Like, it, it, you know, so, yeah, that's a very – that just opens up a really cool bunch of uh, thinking uh, problems there. Thanks, Mike. And one other question, and feel free to chime in with questions if you're watching and you have any or topics you want us to discuss. Uh, this comes from Roman, who says, is Chuck Liddell really thinking about coming back? This kind of relates to George St. Pierre coming back. Mm. Is Chuck Liddell really thinking about coming back because it was hard to watch him at the end of his career? Thanks, guys. Um, I haven't really been following that too closely. I saw that there was like, you know, a social media post with some mm. mystery surrounding it. Um, you and the Flow Combat team, you guys are on the pulse of the MMA world a lot. What have you guys heard anything? Are you guys following the story at all? You know, we're 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 following, but I don't. I I'll speak for myself. I don't have any insight into Liddell. like I don't know uh, Chuck Liddell, and I don't I don't keep up with his his camp and his coaches. So I don't actually have any personal specific insight into what he's doing and what he's thinking. I, however, I you know, just as an observer, um, 
I, I don't see. Uh, of course he is. Of course he's thinking about doing it. I bet he's never stopped thinking about fighting. I bet he never will stop thinking about fighting. And so long as people are willing to pay someone like him a lot of money to do it, the temptation is always uh, going to be there. And there will be people who would pay him to fight. If they'll, if they'll pay for the last Kimball Slice uh, fight, him and Dada, Dada, you know, Dada almost uh, Speaking died. of Rocky stories, people <laughs> coming out of nowhere to fight on the biggest of stages. No, that's it, you know. And, and, and Ken Shamrock, who, who, I, who I love, is really one of my top five fighters ever, you know, to keep putting him out there, to bring Hoist out of nowhere again. Like, they'll do it. They'll pay him. So it's just, is Chuck Liddell thinking about fighting again? I bet he is. I bet he'll never stop wanting to fight again. He's an old fighter, and he's a young man. There's no way he doesn't wish he was still fighting. There's no way, especially a guy like him. Chuck Adele likes to fight. Like, he just likes to fight. So I, I, I bet he's considering it, and I bet if someone offers him a lot of money now that he's not with the UFC, I bet, he'll, I bet it'll be a real temptation for him. And, and I, uh, I don't want to see it Share Roman's sim- uh, yeah. Yeah, sentiments that yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to see it. No. Um, but he's, for me, the guy that I remember watching first like it would go to this bar all the time and he's just there and like the thought of him coming back it's just like i've moved it on yeah and it, this yeah. is like a personal thing sure. it's just like i i, I have those memories mm-hmm. this kind of relates to the tarnishing thing i just don't want to see you come back and take punishment for the yeah. sake of a big paycheck and that's good you that means you 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 appreciate that there's a real toll this takes and you appreciate the effort and you don't want to see this person who you respect Take undue punishment. That's a, that's a good feeling. Well, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we're we're covering general UFC topics this week, just kind of having a general discussion. And if you have comments, and you feel free to add them in the Facebook live chat, and we'll we'll get to them. But we'd be remiss if we don't turn the attention to UFC 212 this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Pay per view event, obviously a big event, uh, headlined by Jose Aldo, the featherweight champion, and interim champion Max Holloway fighting in a title unification bout, the seventh title unification bout uh, ever in UFC history and probably like the fifth in the past two years. And also the crazy only, like that, like it also isn't really one. It's not a real title guys, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a future featherweight title unification bout with somebody else who's not in this. Anyways. Um, so it's a great fight though. I think this, I think the storyline of UFC 212 is the legacy of Jose Aldo. Mm. And the jumping off point for this might be Joe Rogan's comments on his podcast about it saying that, his Jose Aldo's legacy will forever be tarnished by Conor McGregor's 13 second knockout. Agree or disagree? I disagree for the re with that, with the, with those words for the, the types of reasons that we were talking about earlier. Um, you can't ever take away a detract from, from past accomplishments. And when those past accomplishments are some of the longest winning streaks that have in my history, when those past accomplishments are over a decade long career, where you were one of the most dominant champions in, in, in MMA history, well, that, that just becomes doubly or triply true. Uh, with that said, I, I listen, the Joe, Joe Rogan, his podcast and the fight companions are, are probably some of my favorite things in the world to listen to. He's also one of my favorite just people in the world that it's not like a personal friend of mine or anything like that uh, i think he's uh, i think he's a really great analyst i think he's offered a lot to the sport i don't think he really put a lot of thought into the i would hope he didn't put a lot of thought into those words um uh, you know oftentimes when they do these things they're drinking or they've just smoked or he's just in passing he'll say all sorts of things i i, I don't know that what joe rogan means is jose aldo has accomplished less in his illustrious career because Conor McGregor beat him. I'm assuming he means something a little different, like, 
you know, that would have been a huge win for Aldo and it's, it's, it's hurt his standing. It's not the way he would want to end it and all things that are just like obviously true. So I don't know. I know a lot of that was trying to make excuses for Joe, but no, I think it's, I think it's ridiculous to say that someone's career is tarnished by that. So like, his career is different. His career is like, he can never, he'll probably never be able to say he beats Conor McGregor. But it's, it doesn't change anything that he did before. It's kind of what we were going back to with defining moments with Mike's question about Holly and Matt yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Is that this unfortunately might be a defining moment for Jose Aldo because I guess that's what I, I guess his, that's what probably means, and I disagree his, with that. Yeah. And I, I, maybe that is what Joe Rogan means. Yeah. But um it's not the words he used, yeah, but yeah. maybe that was just a you know, an issue on his part. Mm. But but what I'm trying to say is like that's what people will remember. And yeah. a lot of that is and Jose Aldo alluded to this in the co- media conference call last week, is mm. that um Conor McGregor brought a lot of eyes to the division. Before that, Conor McGregor, it was in a division that was I don't want to say an afterthought, but it wasn't in the forefront. Sure. Um there was a Jose Aldo came in and was given the championship belt as the WEC champion. He just continued to dispatch people. He had great fights. The Chad Mendes fights were mm-hmm. incredible, um, for instance. But he, you know, didn't speak English and mm-hmm. those other yeah. issues with marketability that the UFC's had. And Conor McGregor comes in and elevates it. So it's a, it's almost like there's a huge segment of fans who are unfamiliar with the body of work, the 10 yeah, years totally of undefeated true. streak. Totally and, true. Man, the title reign was like, what, seven years of the, that 10 year yeah, run or whatever? Yeah. You know, so there's like this whole, all these fans who weren't oblivious to that and their first introduction yeah. was because of Conor McGregor. And no, I that's think a great point. That's unfair to Jose Aldo and his legacy shouldn't forever be tarnished. But wrongly or, you know, wrongly, he'll probably, that might be what he ends up being remembered. I think that I, I think that's fair because what you're speaking to, and I, I see, I, I love the precision and the, that you're using with your language. It really, it, it makes a lot of sense. It helps you understand the point. I, I think that's probably true, right? Like it's probably true that because this was the fight of his that most people saw and probably will ever see, it will be in the forefront of the most people's minds. That that definitely that makes a lot of sense. I guess it just makes me sad when I hear someone like Joe Rogan uh, talk about that because what 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 is his words carry more weight than mine? They, well, not even that, but just because all of us, uh, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that, but I mean, I, I I would. He 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 has a larger audience than us, sure, right? Like so, yeah. And he's 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 more famous than us or something like that, right? We don't have yeah. hard numbers on that. Yeah, but. <laughs> we're we're waiting till next week. The hard numbers come out. We'll see, right? I, sorry, I shouldn't have spoken spoken too soon about that. <laughs> but uh, no, but. Uh, you know, why, why would uh, an experienced, knowledgeable analyst, why would any of them, why would any of us choose to take on the language of the neophyte, more ignorant people? I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm saying if you're newer, you don't know of these things, right? Like, why, why Never use Never heard that? of the WEC. Yeah, why, why use that language? No, take the time to educate people on, on someone's career. What, what is it? Like, are we public relations professionals that are here and it's a show about public relations and people's curating and we're just saying, this person's I mean, it up. Could be. It could be, but it isn't. And that's not mostly what he does, right? Like, he's supposed to be there to educate people. Like, this person's up, this person's down. This is whatever. That's not, like, I, I think that's its own type of beast. It's, it's the political game of, of popularity and business and sports business. But I think people that follow sport, people that are analysts, because some people whose job it is to cover the business of sports, and we do a little of a lot of things, you know. But if it's your job to be an analyst, you, you should really try to provide context to people. If you know that context is missing because this is where the most eyes have been in someone's career and it was 13 seconds long to their detriment, like take some time to say, guys, hey, 
This actually doesn't attack because he should be talking about actual accomplishments in the ring, not just about is he, is a stock up, is a stock down. How does this look? I mean, that's that's not very very interesting. The history of the sport, the history of someone's accomplishments, the particular of their technique, all the the, the attributes, that type of stuff is is uh, is more interesting. So I think a lot of times we get caught up in using the language of. FS1 shows or ESPN shows and where these people are just opining on stuff that they don't know anything about oftentimes. They have great analysts, but I'm talking about the talking Shout head. out Shannon Sharp. Yeah, and I, I actually he like Shannon Sharp. Diaz can't fight at lightweight. Oh, man, I know. That's I, my all-time favorite. Shannon Sharp has been saying some really good – that is a bad moment. He's been saying some great things about race in America, but he is wrong about Nate Diaz. His partner, on the other hand, is wrong about everything I've ever heard him talk about. The so. best is uh, UFC fans uh, go up. Go at Shannon, and they bait him with questions. Do they? Uh, that are factually wrong. <laughs> and he gives see, an opinion on and that. And he gives an opinion. And a false and he's premise. so desperate to have an opinion. Exactly. Oh. So somebody oh. before UFC 211 at, at Talk MMA, I think it was, he asked um, Shannon who wins, uh, Stipe or Joanna. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> oh, Stipe gosh. was on our show, and he's cool, so I'm going with Stipe. And Great. it's like. Yeah. Why, why, why would people watch a show like that? Where you, it's such garbage. It's so weird. Other than Shannon Sharp. Because loud noises. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. I think I think I think that's right. I, it's a shame too. It's just no. So I said it's sad for for someone maybe like an analyst. How extra sad is it that a a, a former great professional athlete, when it's his turn or her turn to cover professional sports, gives that little depth? That's so whack, man. That that Shannon Sharp would discuss uh, anything. Uh, that superficially when he himself had to wade through how many years of people discussing him in a one-dimensional way. That's so stupid to me. Ty O'Keefe sends an angry face emoji. So uh, I don't know if that's for us bringing up Shannon Sharp or elaborate, or but anyways, elaborate Ty. Um, the crazy thing is Aldo has beaten people like Frankie Edgar, former champion, yeah. Kenny Florian, Twice. Chad Mendez, Uriah Faber, like his list of names go on. Yeah. And, to define his legacy by that is just disappointing, which kind of segues into the next mm. thing. Things like there's like, this is a defining moment for the featherweight division, assuming Conor McGregor never returns, mm. which I think a lot of people do. You have Aldo looking to reestablish himself as the greatest featherweight in the UFC and build a second title run. There's a whole host of names um, that he could run back, th- you know, fight again. You have people that he's fought in the top of the rankings, like Frankie Edgar, who just beat Yair Rodriguez, Ricardo Lamas, mm-hmm. um, Cub Swanson just won in, you know, great fashion against Artem Lobov. Yeah. So, but the other side of that is you have Max Holloway, 10 fight win streak. His last win- loss was a couple few years ago against Con- Conor McGregor, yeah. who at the time was the only one to, in the least in the UFC career, take um, Conor to a decision before UFC 202. And it could be a chapter turning moment in the division mm-hmm. max holloway comes in and there's this new um set of stars you have somebody yair rodriguez had he won would have been a big name here uh he's still a big up-and-coming star he's just kind of taking a step back a little mm-hmm. bit but you have someone like brian ortega undefeated climbing yep. in the top 10 you have a couple of young undefeated type of anything and the thing that's mind-blowing to me is that jose aldo is only 30 yeah. <laughs> you know he's wow. not old he's this isn't 34 year old 35 year old jose aldo trying to string together another title run he, you know 30 wow yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, he's 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 an old fighter because he's been fighting professionally for so long. But he's very young chronologically, and that's I guess that's the the thing that will is yet is is in the process of being determined. Like 
is he are his reflexes slowing down such that he's going to have problems against Frank Yeager? They didn't look slow um, for what you know earlier this uh, or this past year in July, and and Frankie's about as quick as it gets. So. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, if he isn't slowing down, Mike, you know, maybe he puts together something ri- ridiculous again in terms of length. I'll tell you, though, whatever that, you know, I, I've been standing up for kind of the fact that Conor McGregor is the featherweight champion of the world for, you know, that's just the truth. And, and the other hypes and the 30 division uh, division championships they created featherweight don't really mean anything. That does have a, an expiration clock at some point. His accomplishment over beating uh, of beating Jose Aldo will never go away. But another six months, there's no real argument. He just doesn't fight in the division. I don't think it's a fault if he wants to fight in other divisions like he has. If he wants to do something else, that's fine. I don't doesn't bother me in the least. But if we if four or five six months from now, Jose Aldo has a title and has beaten Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway since beaten uh, since losing to Conor McGregor, then yeah, he's definitely the the champ. And for that matter, if, if Max Holloway has an 11 fight win streak and has beaten uh, Jose Aldo. And, you know, then he's he's definitely a champion. But, yeah, it's crazy. Maybe Jose Aldo can put together another few years. That would be kind of insane if he could. So, speaking of which, who do you have in the fight? Yeah, it's tough. I I, I, I will – I don't think Aldo's given me any reason not to pick him. I, the only X factor that I can, you know, qualify that is if he has slowed down a little bit and if he gets caught with something um, – then it'll be the second time in three fights and he gets caught by by someone being a little quicker and then it's it maybe just time is catching up with him as young as he is chronologically um but yeah that said uh, max holloway's looked amazing i love his reach i love his hand speed uh, i love his weird funky angles that he hits so i think i think it's i would never put money on it it's really hard for me to to pick but aldo hasn't given me any reason not to pick him so i, I guess i would have to go with him how about you I'm leaning with Aldo. Yeah. I think the UFC 200 performance against Frankie Edgar, he looked incredible. Yeah. There's the one image, and uh, Patrick Wyman, Bleacher Report, I believe, tweeted out a gif of it when uh, Frankie Edgar is going for the takedown, and Jose Aldo just basically like pushes him off at the end of a round. His takedown defense is crazy. Yeah, he's just he's strong, and he's talented in those leg kicks. Wow. Uh, Sean Alshadi did a great piece for MMA Fighting yeah. leading into UFC 194. That's a really awesome about piece. Make sure to check that out about uh, where he interviewed a bunch of fighters who had fought Jose Aldo. And I think it's it's um, he's just he's not at the back end of the bell curve yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still at the top of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I see Max Holloway's a young guy, but um, maybe not the most experienced. Uh, you know, the leg kicks are always an issue. So yeah. I'm leaning that way. Plus, there's the whole statistical side of things. Mm-hmm. Holloway being on 10 fight win streaks, defeating Aldo and building any kind of run just seems almost illogical. It's not impossible, <laughs> right. but it would be amazing. Know, there's not many people in the UFC who put together 10 wins. That's insane. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, you're right. that in itself is an, an incredible achievement. Yeah. yeah that's just totally because true. the parody or, you know, it's the best of the best. So any, you can lose. There's so many different ways you can lose. Yes. Um, so that in itself is remarkable, but at some point it's just like something's going to get, <laughs> but if Max so, Holloway right. wins, it's a huge win. Huge. Um, you know, and depending on how decisive or not it is, whether he moves forward mm-hmm. with, um, you know, another challenger, or they run it back immediately, depending on, you know, how that fight plays out. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think Aldo has the edge. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that. I, 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 I think so. I mean, Holloway's looked amazing, but I agree with that. Do you want to? Want to give our, our secret guest attempt a try here? We can give our secret guest a try. Go ahead and try <laughs> and get him on the phone. And while you do that, I'll explain to the audience. We we have booked a fighter. We um, have had a hard time getting a hold of him. 
lately and given our track record on these things, we decided it'd be best to see if we could get a pleasant surprise as opposed <laughs> to disappointing um, the viewers. So we're trying them now. All, all faith isn't lost yet. <laughs> He's been a guest on the show before, so it'll happen if it doesn't happen. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. I'm very sorry about it that. It doesn't whittle down too much. Hey, what's up, brother? Alan. Nice to have you on the show. We're, I'm here with uh, my co-host, uh, Mike. Fans, we kept it a secret, Alan. We wanted to surprise up, people. Once, we've got Alan Joban, who just announced yesterday that he's got another fight coming up July 8th against uh, a, another really great stand-up fighter. So we're so excited to have you on the show, brother. Can you hear us all right, Alan? Yeah, sorry about that, man. I just got in my car. <laughs> no worries. No, I was just saying uh, we're excited to have you on. We're, I was excited to, to see... Your next fight was signed. Um, tell tell fans about the matchup and uh, and, and why you're uh, excited about. It. Is it just to get back in the ring? Do you like this particular matchup uh, specifically? Yeah, a little bit of both, man. I mean, more so than anything, it's just getting back in the octagon again. Let me tell you, I like since my last fight, I've been dying. I've been I've been just I've got the like I've got the itch so bad. The last fight didn't go my way in London against Gunnar Nelson. Um, I didn't get hurt though. I didn't get hurt. I wasn't injured. I wasn't, um, I didn't even get to fight that much to be honest, man. You know, he got to take down like midway in the first round, stayed on down, on top position for the first round. I stayed out of harm's way. The second round, he caught me and, uh, kind of stumbled me and then jumped on the guillotine real quick. And that was a fight to where I wasn't banged up, wasn't bruised up. And I was motivated, came back home, took a week or so off. And I said, all right, I'm going to stay in shape. Never like got out of shape. Never really stopped going to the gym, and I've been working out since then. Uh, and I've been asking for a fight ever since then for two months now. Nothing was coming around. I was starting to get really, really irritable, man. I mean, I was like on the road, about to get in in, in uh, road rage fights with people and stuff, man. Like people are people are flicking me off and honking at me, and they have no idea. Like I'm zoned in right now. I'm looking for a fight. And you're trying to flick me off, like gonna be consequences right here so i was like man i gotta get a fight before i start getting into street fights or something i need that focus i need that goal you know every every quarterly throughout the year every couple of months i need something that i could really just dive into and put all my energy into and, and, and my focus into and it keeps me sane it keeps me keeps me humble it keeps me everything man it's made me who i am is fighting so I, two months went by, man, without a fight. I've been in the gym. Finally, I saw Sean Shelby at the UFC retreat. I pulled him aside for five minutes. We had a great conversation. Able to renegotiate a new four-fight contract with the UFC. He says he will get me a fight. And then a few days ago, we spoke. And uh, he said there was about five guys left, man. Only about five guys left on the roster in the welterweight division that were available. And I, you know, uh, I said, I'll take any of them any of them i would fight anybody right now and um they had a couple guys like court mcgee and some names like that and i was up for it man they were kind of more uh a little bit bigger names uh than brian brian camozzi because they've been in the ufc for quite a while and um so i thought those are the guys that were probably gonna you know step up and he said he got to chris and chris wanted to fight immediately and so i said well shit let's do it man let's do it and that's how that fight came about that's amazing you know you went into so much that I was going to ask you about, like, because I was following your social media, and I was like, man, this guy took, like, no time off. Like, I've seen you grinding out uh, right away. Yeah. Uh, 
I want you, you. You clearly were motivated to get back in there, and so now that you've you've got the fight, we're wondering, Alan, like how do you deal with deal with the defeat now? Do you try to just put it out of your mind uh, as soon as possible? Have a short memory? Do you try to remember it selectively to for extra motivation? I'm sure you don't need any additional motivation to to fight because you're a fighter. But like, how do you try to to deal with with the fight not going your way? The thing about the fight game, and we all realize this, but you don't you don't remember it as closely. What I'm referring to is you're only as good as your last fight in this fight game. You you get out, you get submitted, you just lose the fight, and people are like, "Oh, you lost to this guy. You suck. You're not not going to be the best." No. Let's not forget Tyron Woodley getting knocked out and strike force by those elbows by Nate Nate Marquardt. Let's not forget about Tyron Woodley getting uh and in a respectful way, but outclassed on the feet by uh, Roy McDonald, I believe it was. Um, and he still came back, and he still proved that he could be the best in the world and is, and, and, and is doing so right now. And and I'm the same way, man. I see the things the same way. Like, I've had some losses in my career, man, but I'm not the type of guy that just to, to fold fold on that, to fold in and say, okay, you know what? This guy beat me. I can't beat him or I can't move further. Anybody can win on any given night, and that's what happens. Sometimes you show up and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get caught. Sometimes you have a bad night. Um, my last fight, I was on a three-fight win streak, and I was looking to, to get a top guy. They gave me Gunnar Nelson. It wasn't my night. Gunnar was a guy that nobody wanted to fight. Gunnar came and thanked me. Gunnar and Sean Shelby thanked me. After that fight, they said, you know what, man? Five guys turned down Gunner. Five guys turned down Gunner. You're the only guy that stepped up to the plate. We want to thank you for taking the fight. I said, bro, you ain't got to thank me. I'm thanking you. I wanted a fight. I wanted a top 10 guy. You gave me what I wanted. I didn't get the win, but that's what I want. I want to fight the best guys in the world and prove that I'm the best in the world. It wasn't my night, but I'm still a bad motherfucker. <laughs> you know, like, I'm trying to let... I, it, it didn't deter me. It didn't deter me. I'm, I apologize if I curse and I can't curse. On your you show, can. Right? We do it all the okay. time. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Or, 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 or I'm not sorry You're about good. that. You're <laughs> good. <laughs> well, what I'm getting at is, yeah, man, it's the fight. It's it's the tough fights that I wanted. Um, and but we're, you're only as good as your last fight. And I got a lot of you know, you get a lot of stuff in social media. I've gotten a lot. My thick, my skin has gotten a lot thicker from being in the UFC for a while now. And I'm used to it. You lose a fight, and you're going to get all these haters trolling you, saying that you suck, and Gunner ripped your neck off, and he tapped you out, and you were screaming like a bitch, and you tapped this and that. And I'm used to it. You know what I mean? Every time I promote, every time I put up a thing saying I'm working hard, I'm ready to, you know, that pass to the belt, there's always going to be somebody who tags, they tag people that have beaten me. They tag Gunner, or they tag Albert Tumanoff. And I'm like, why are you tagging these guys? I know they, I know I lost that fight, man. Like, you think that, like, you're reminding me of something like this isn't, I don't need to be reminded. So I want to get back in that win column, man. I want to show people that they didn't get to see who I was. You know, I had an off night, not an off night. Gunner was the better man that night. I wasn't off. Gunner was the better man that night. I got caught. It's a game of inches. I got caught. He submitted me, but I am, I not only am I still one of the best guys in the world, but I improved a lot that camp, man. I worked so much on submission defense defense and my striking and different things that different areas that I didn't get to even show in that fight. So I'm excited to get back in there, be able to show people not only some of the, some of the new things I've been adding to my game, get the excitement building around me again and just get back in that win column, man, kind of get these haters off my back and let them know what's up again. Yeah. I've, I've always said like, you know, I'll, 
I guess I would take being rich, but I would never want to be famous at all. Because I, I, I just can't imagine having to deal with that. And you put up so many positive things. For, you, for those of you who don't follow, follow Alan, those of you who aren't haters, please do follow him on social media. He puts up fun, f- positive things, training, funny things, things with his family, things with the dog. It, it's good. And for, his son. The son, yeah. You know, like to, to, have, to, have, to have negativity after that is a very, very strange thing. And I can't imagine it's, it's easy to, to, to let roll off your back. I'm, I'm glad you're – we're glad that you are learning to do that. I got to ask, I mean, obviously you're never satisfied. You're probably never satisfied even when you do win, Alan. Uh, but d- was there – did you at least come away with – you wanted the fight. You wanted to fight against a top ten guy. You got the fight. And like you say, you didn't get to fight as much as you wanted to win it. But moving forward – do you at least did you take some confidence at least knowing like okay I felt what this guy felt like and 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 you take something like I know it's not just a mental exercise anymore I feel what the guy at that level feels like and I know exactly what I need to work on and and it's a valuable thing and asset for you moving forward. One hundred percent, man. And and not only did I feel that, but I that 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 question you just asked me that is a real thing in fighting. That's something that. I've fought guys and beat guys before and had them tell me, like, or their coaches tell me after, like, he, he was really nervous going into the fight with you. But after, after fighting you, he knows that he can compete with guys like you. And this is, guy, this is a guy that, uh, without saying names, this is a guy that I knocked out. And so, like, I'm like, oh, he thinks he can compete with me. I just knocked him out. And, and like, I didn't take it in the wrong way. Sure. And I wasn't trying to, like, one-up him. But, but it, it, it's like when you get in there – you realize that, man, everybody is human, man. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is just flesh and blood, just like you. And it's just about being the better man that night. And it's just, for me, that's what happened to me the night with Gunner. I gave him a little too much respect, man. I was thinking of Gunner as this guy that if he gets you on the mat, man, you're toast. This guy submits everybody. This guy is a... Is, 90% of his fights in, in a submission and 90% of those submissions in a renegade choke, I cannot go to the ground. What happens? I end up on the ground with him for three minutes. In the worst case scenario, the guy is mounting me for three minutes. And I, I didn't take any damage. I took one elbow to the face. I didn't get submitted. I didn't get punched. I go to the corner of the second round and go, look, dude, you survived worst case scenario. And I get in there and start kicking his ass. Stop giving him so much respect. And as soon as I started opening up, I got caught with a lazy transition my transition was lazy he caught me and he and he jumped on it um you learn that in fights man that yes everybody's dangerous and you have to respect people to us to a certain regard but if you give them too much respect you allow them to apply their game upon you and that's what happened to me so yeah i learned from it um i learned from it next time i do fight a higher level guy like that again um not saying that brian isn't that but i think that gunner is uh, on a little different level than than, than Brian is, and uh, if I do fight Gunner again or somebody in that top five, top ten again, you won't see as much respect uh, in my body language fighting them. And um, and it's something that I've learned from that fight, and I plan to use in this upcoming fight against Brian, man. Um, Brian's a guy that looks like he's pretty good at everything, man. He's pretty good at everything. Um, he's a guy that can catch you slipping. He's I think his when he was on a five fight win streak, all of those fights were finishes. So even though he doesn't really look or he isn't really built like a power striker or like a finisher type guy, he's a little more leaner and taller. He's got the capabilities to put your lights out, um, to put you away. So, but when I when I I'm coming in this fight, man, to prove a point. Uh, honestly, like I'm my last three fights, um, I think I got one knockout and two 
two some two two decisions. I mean, uh, on my three fight win streak in 2016, um, I was in those fights though, man. I was trying to kind of show a new Allen, Allen that doesn't take so much damage. You know, after breaking my hand and having elbow surgery and getting my eyes shut in almost every single fight, I was getting fight of the night bonuses, but I was getting beat up. You know, winning but taking a lot of damage. And I was, my, my coach was like, man, you're 35. You're smart. You're a smart fighter. Why are you? going one for one with these guys why don't we make these guys miss and then make them pay and so that's what i was working on in 2016 and it showed a lot it showed a lot like in the mike perry fight mike perry is a big power striker i was able to uh evade a lot of his strikes and and and, and land a lot of mine and that was a perfect fight to utilize it but i think i was a little bit too cautious in the gunner fight and it cost me and i want to show a little bit of the new allen but also want to show a little bit of the old allen in this new fight in this fight coming up where i get in there I'm going to bite down on my mouthpiece, and I'm putting this guy away. That, that's my goal. And, I mean, my goal is to win the fight, but the, the the grander picture, the grander scheme of things is to put this guy away and put the whole division on check again. That guy, I want the 2015 Allen to come back out, the one that people were like, people were ducking me, man. Honestly, there were people that didn't want to fight me because they see me knocking guys out, and they're like, eh, I don't know if I want to go against a guy that likes to elbow people in the face all the time, you know? <laughs> so I want people to kind of have that fear inside of them again. Now, you're fighting during International Fight Week, and I believe you fought during International Fight Week again. Does that, when you were discussing mm -hmm. the fight with Sean Shelby and trying to come up with a name, was, um, did you care when the fight happened? Was that a part of it? Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, um, last year I fought International fight week, fight week as well. That's when I broke my hand against Bilal Muhammad. And although there was a fight coming up here in anaheim which is going to be a huge card man that john jones versus dc if it happens but john <laughs> jones, you know what i'm saying we, we'll wait to see what happens on that one but john jones dc anaheim i live in la it makes sense you know i'm the local guy that's stacking that card up it would have made a lot of sense sean shelby kind of wanted me on that card i didn't want to wait man i did not want to wait i told him the conversation we literally had was he goes, he goes, man, Anaheim, I'm thinking about Anaheim for you. I go, Sean, I'll take whatever you guys give me, man. Like, I'm not going to argue with you. You're the matchmaker. But look, bro, if you want me to fight next week, I will fight next week, bro. I've got to itch that bad. I'm not even joking with you, Sean. Like, if somebody falls out, put me on that short list, bro. Put me on that list where if there's an injury, Alan's going to take it. He goes, that's great, man. We love guys like you. But when do you, not short notice, when would the earliest be that you could fight? Like, not, not taking an injured opponent, like, you know, um, not stepping in on it for an injured person. When would be the earliest week you could fight? I go, man, I'd, ideally, like that Oklahoma City card, it's in, I think at the end of June, maybe yep. June 29th. That gives me about four weeks. I'm down for that, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to fight that soon. And uh, he goes in. So you're not thinking about Anaheim? I go, man, I've been training for two months. Anaheim's another two or three months away. Like, I'm going to lose my mind. And, like, I told him, I said, look, dude, I'm 35 years old. If I'm fighting five or six months, every five or six months, that puts me fighting twice a year. That means I have maybe like two or three fights left. You know, like mm. if I've only got a handful of years left in my career saying that, I, you know, I'm only going to fight to, you know, late 30s or something. I'm not trying to fight twice a year, man. I'm trying to fight three, four or five times a year. I said, let's get it going, man. Ideally, Oklahoma City or um, Vegas would be, you know, I want the sooner ones. So. He told me, man, Oklahoma City was booked up. There's one spot left in Vegas. And um, thankfully, thankfully, he was able to put me on there. Wow. Uh, interesting follow-up question. You talked about trying to get as many fights in as you can before the end of your career. 
If the fight mm-hmm. goes your way, you take little damage. Would you consider pulling a cowboy and then trying to fight in Anaheim as well? Boom. You just put a new idea in my head. I'm about to go write that shit down on my goal sheet. I'm going to text Sean Shelby after this. I love it, man. Honestly, like, that's the kind of shit that, like, that that's the kind of shit that motivates me, man. Like, you know, it's hard. It's few people can do what Cowboy does, okay? Like, honestly, uh, to fight seven times a year or whatever the hell he does, like, that's amazing. It really is. And, and part of the reason he does it is because he was winning. When you win and you don't take a little dam and you take a little damage, you're able to fight again. And it, but 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 it's still a mind thing. It's still staying motivated. A lot of times when I fight, even when I bang my body up, man, my hands are swollen, my shin, I kick so much that I can barely walk the next day. Um, there's things like that. So um, uh, it's it's tough to go right away. But but I'm gonna put that as a goal in my head. Honestly, we just talked about this. Hell yeah! If I win this fight. <laughs> If I win this fight, man, and I take a little damage and I put him away like I won, it's a story beginning on that fight. Um, I'm going to call Sean Shelby and say, bro, if somebody backs out in Anaheim, I'm jumping on that card. Hell yeah. Save me a spot on the UFC 214 card. That's right. That's awesome. Now, as somebody who was at the athletes retreat, we've seen some mixed response about it. Some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. Some people understood what they're trying to do. What did what was your overall thoughts on it? I thought it was cool, man. This is the, the, the res- well, I don't want to say mixed responses, but you see certain guys that said this was the best time of my life, you know? Yeah, you see other people that are like, I don't want to be here. And to be honest, I think it's just a natural reaction of um, how new you are, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm, I'm using this guy as a reference only because he's a former opponent and people tag me in posts, so I saw this, but Mike Perry... Uh, Mike Perry was there, and um, I saw in a response, he said, like, this is the best weekend of my life. And and this isn't a diss, or this isn't nothing. I'm just speaking from the heart here. I think the reason he truly said that is because he's still kind of new in the UFC. He's never been to a retreat before. He hasn't really, like, done that many promotional things um, for the UFC yet. You know, so it was dope. You know, they flew us out to Vegas. They put us in, the, uh, in a nice hotel. They took care of us. Everything was pretty much first class uh, other than our flight but like when i talk about the accommodations you know the dinners you know snoop dog concert we had a carnival like it was it was sick you know what i'm saying if it's your first time doing that it's fun it's fun you know okay this is what it's like to be in the ufc this is dope if you've been to those before if you've been on promotional trips or or you've done i i did the uh the retreat like two or three years ago for me, it's more like, okay, now I got to leave my family for four days. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, I had mixed reviews on it. Nothing bad, nothing negative. I thought it was a cool retreat. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I, I originally I emailed him. I said, look, man, I got to take off for work. I got stuff going on. I can't make it. They said, listen, we really want to get you in front of the owners, all the new owners, and everybody's going to be here. This is a great opportunity. And then it dawned on me. I said, Man, this is a this is a great opportunity. I need to talk to Sean Shelby. I need to lock down a fight. I want to get in front of the you know the the new owners and let them know who I am. Make sure we're on the same page. I'm gonna go here business sense wise and just get shit done. And so I, I called him back and said, all right, I'm down. I'm gonna go. And so I went there. And yeah, everything was fun. The food, the drinks, the 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 rides, all those things. But for me, it was like if I'm gonna leave my family for four days and go to Vegas. Uh, when I don't want to, I'm gonna go and get shit done. And for me, so I checked everything off the list, man. I, I got a meeting with 
We got WME, IMG. I tried to make sure I got a meeting with them. I got a, a one-on-one time with uh, Sean Shelby. I got a fight contract negotiated. I got a fight. Um, so, that yeah, for me, that's what it was. It was more business for me than pleasure. Some guys enjoyed the pleasure, uh, you know, the, the festivities of it and everything. But um, it was it was cool, man. They definitely took care of us. I give the UFC props on that one. They spent a lot of money on that thing, and they took care of us. That's awesome. Well, man, we, we're so glad you made uh, use of it. This is this is what an entrepreneurial, smart guy like 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 can accomplish in there, man. And it's been a pleasure having you on. We'll let you get on with uh, with this training camp, Alan. We're we're uh, we're so excited to watch you fight. This is going to be, you know, I was already thinking, hey, this is going to be a great fight because I mean, you guys are both well rounded, but you're both uh, really great stand up fighters. But now hearing yeah. hearing from you and hearing how motivated you are and hearing. Just where your mind's at. It just really should let fans know it's going to be a, a, a fan, an extra fantastic fight, man. We're, we're really happy for you. Can't wait to see you back in the ring again, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I really can't wait for it, man. I hope you guys get to tune in and watch it. I plan on, like I said, man, I plan on kind of getting back on that, uh, on the, uh, on that, not only the win column, but kind of getting that momentum back. So it'll be a good one. Awesome. Well, Alan, thanks again so much, man. We can't wait to have you on again. And best of luck with the rest of camp and the, and the fight, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. What a great insight from Alan yeah. Jaban. He has a you know interesting perspective on the fighters retreat. There's so much going on, and there was so much other thing you know for somebody to come in, know what they wanted to get done, and out of the experience, and to focus on that with everything going on, to block everything out and yeah. focus on that it says a lot about uh, him as you know a fighter and a person. It does and it says a lot about you that you just gave him some bulletin board material. He's got a new idea in his head. Yeah, Mike's like, hey, you, you just need the in-ring shout-out now. Fight more. The yeah. guy's like, yeah, I do want to fight more. Is that the greatest <laughs> summation of MMA fans ever? <laughs> you, fight more. <laughs> but he was game. He wants yeah. to. You, I'm joking, but you felt that in him. You're like, this guy wants it, and, and, well, you, and you were t- right. You keyed in on what he was feeling. You could tell he wanted – He. it was hard for him to give up that Anaheim Yeah, fight. totally. And it's like, well – don't shut the door on it yet. Yeah, yeah. Especially this is a guy that I'm short. I remember. Shoot, was it the? It was the November card. He was in New York doing like high level fashion modeling stuff that he does. Uh, when uh, when the uh, what was it? The cowboy situation like fell through. Like he wanted to fight yeah. on short like a, an hour's notice. I remember getting word from him and his manager at the time. Like he's down to do it. He doesn't have that reputation yet, but this guy likes to fight whenever he can. My- it was Kelvin Gastelum that's he was supposed what it to fight, was. That's and what it was. Uh, he couldn't miss weight. And the way New York is, you have to be in a certain weight range. That's right. Uh, so we saw it in a different fight on the card, but Cowboy weighed in first. And if he had known Gastelum was going to miss weight, he could have weighed in heavier yeah. to keep them within a range to keep the fight that's going. Exactly but, right. He was down to fight. He, you know, he didn't mention that he was speaking so glowingly of Cowboy because he's a gentleman. But he was down to fight Cowboy like an, an hour or two's notice. You know. So uh, we got five, about five minutes left. So I want to run down a. Some quick topics that we wanted to, I wanted to discuss before we wrap. Uh, so quick, rapid fire. Jermaine Durandamy says she's returning to 135. No longer interested in <laughs> fighting at 145 and defending her featherweight belt. What's your take on the situation? Is this all just to avoid Cyborg? And do you buy her reasoning? So weird, man. You know, I, I really like GDR as a fighter. I think she's phenomenal. I, I love her skill set. And there's no way that someone that is as real and as great of a fighter as her is just simply, quote-unquote, afraid to fight people. She was willing to fight Cyborg on a timeline that didn't work for Cyborg, it seems like. That's what we've 
we've we've seen. But you know, now I could see it possible that Jermaine has has it in her head and really does believe that, hey, I'm injured right now. I'm a lot smaller than Chris Cyborg. And she probably does think, hey, Chris Cyborg is still probably using drugs, even though Cyborg has only actually failed one test, this last a mess of a bunked-up situation that Usada in the UFC did, saying she she failed it. Now she didn't really fail it. That whole nonsense aside, she's actually only failed one. But I bet JDR is thinking, I'm injured. I'm way small. I took a featherweight title fight, so-called title fight for the UFC as a favor. I never really wanted to do that. How about I, how about I, I'd rather fight people my own size who I don't think are using drugs and stuff. So I could see her believing that, but yeah, no, I don't, she clearly doesn't want to fight cyborg. Like they're, they're saying that we don't want to fight her. So I don't, I think it's in her mind. It's for all the reasons she's mentioning. And I will say there's validity to her mind, you know, if only that she's a lot smaller than, than, than Chris Justino, um, as all bantamweights uh, would be. So it's not that I don't buy it or buy it. I, you know, I'm sure she's earnest, and I'm also sure she doesn't want to fight Chris Justino. It's just it's this is what the UFC gets for making a a, a BS title fight. When you have the longest reigning champion, uh, in my view, uh, you know, I, I know some people don't count the time that Chris Justino has suspended. I don't think anyone actually superseded her in the featherweight division at that time. So I still say she, I would say she's the longest reigning champion in MMA. And then they're going to just act like sh- someone else needs to be crowned to be champion. And like, I, that's what they get for putting two people like on, on what like JDR hadn't fought at featherweight for years. Holly Holm was on a, like what a two fight with losing streak. They forced that fight together. I, I feel in large part to spite Justino, uh, Chris Cyborg, Justino, to, as a punishment for her not taking on their timeline. And this is what they get. Now they got a champion that is like, I don't really want to be your champion anymore because no one respects that title. That title is not the featherweight title. So it's a weird thing, man. I don't know. What, what, what did you think about her not wanting? I was shocked. Like, I didn't see that coming, but uh, it's interesting, you know? I, I'm shocked, but yeah. not, it's the whole situation with the uh, <laughs> yeah. that division in general is kind of surreal. And I it's feel true. like it was a the UFC was in a situation where they had kind of expend, they had expended their title fights for pay-per-views and they were in a situation where their hand was forced and sure. it didn't work for Cyborg and they were kind of in a situation where they felt forced to do something and yeah. it's not working out. And it's just surreal to fair. see like a champion being like, yeah, I'm going to give up my belt and go <laughs> back down a weight class and fight. Um, anyways, quick uh, Bellator Science Rory Nelson. Yeah. Love it. Hate it. I mean, you know, if they're paying him more money and he wants to still fight in his 40s, then that's cool. I'm, I'm happy for him. Three and seven in his last ten. Yeah, you know, he he's in a, his last ten. Three he, wins. He's older. He's a guy that should be fighting at welterweight, and he's fought his whole career at heavyweight. He's he's small, and he's just he's really really talented and really tough. So I, I don't think he should fight anymore for his health. Uh, you know, there's other things he should or shouldn't do for his health as well. But if he's going to keep fighting, I guess I'm glad Get that he's paid. getting paid. Yeah. I mean, um, Bellator's probably, if he's going to keep fighting, where he's going to make the most amount of money. Yeah. Continue fighting. That's true. Anthony Johnson tweeted out after the Teixeira um, fight at UFC Stockholm that he has getting the itch. <laughs> <laughs> after <laughs> retiring a month and a half ago. So so Roman asked earlier, do you, do you think, you know, Chuck wants to fight? And if we don't know what Chuck wants to do. 
But like I said, oh, I bet he does, and I bet he'll never stop wanting to. What did, what did uh, Rumble say a couple weeks ago? No, no, I'm, I'm too smart. Yeah, you are too smart. You probably did make a good decision to like leave the sport because you want to take damage. But he's still a fighter. He, Johnson was saying, I'm not a fighter. I'm an athlete. He's a fighter. He's a fighter, and you never want to stop fighting. You see some guy. Do you think he comes back? I mean, probably. <laughs> but, I mean, listen, he's starting, he's starting a weed business in a state that doesn't even allow it, and now we have an attorney general that looks – Damn near certain to enforce the federal law. It's still not legally federally, but we've had a couple administrations in a row where they just didn't want to bug states and let states do whatever they want. So I don't. I think the his 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 new industry is up in the air because Jeff Sessions has a real our attorney general has a real hard on for for marijuana. He does. He said he's been quoted as saying, "I didn't I have a problem with the KKK unless I found out they smoke weed." So that's who we're dealing with in terms of weed policy right now, right? So we'll see. It's a weird thing. I bet he comes back. Uh, but if he doesn't want to, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> and we can't end. This isn't necessarily a question, but we'll just no. mention it. We can't end without our weekly uh, Mayweather-McGregor <laughs> um, update. Uh, nothing's really happened. <laughs> but <laughs> but the one thing that we do have is that Mayweather went on DJ Who Kid on Shade 45, Sirius XM Radio, and said that he is hopeful that a deal will get done. And that's basically where we were three weeks ago. I'm hopeful so. Floyd stops beating women. Until that, like, I don't really care that much, man. I'm, like, you know, he just he's very good at getting attention for himself. Um, the only good thing about that fight happening in boxing is Floyd uh, is Conor McGregor hopefully gets more money than he usually does. We'll keep you posted. We're very excited about this, guys. You can always count on an update for that fight during this show. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It might not take up 15 minutes of our time, but we will keep you up to date with the latest. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, the Extra Rounds podcast, we do this every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We stream live on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. And if you can't watch live, you can listen on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, uh, Google Play, all the various podcast apps that are out there, we're, we're on there. Um, when we also upload to YouTube, Fansided Blogs, youtube.com slash blogs, you can watch there. Uh, and make sure to go to flowcombat.com where you can check out Elias' uh, writing. He also writes at WG, so lots of places to check out there. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next week.